listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Welcome to day 53 and 54 of your one-year Bible reading plan. Woo! We are in Exodus chapter 31 to 34. Some crazy things happen. But before they do, it's kind of cool how God sums up all the instructions he gives to Moses on Mount Sinai after giving like details about the bronze basin, the anointing oil, about Mm -hmm. the structure, all that stuff. He then sets them up with the subcontractors. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's he's like, you know, here's the, here's the group you'll use to actually carry this out. Yeah. He had mentioned that he would do this in the earlier chapters, that he would inspire people with his spirit to create all this stuff, but then he names the two guys that are going to head it all up. Oholiab and Bezazalel. Bezazalel. There we go. Doesn't. We'll call him Bezy. <laughs> and so uh, these guys, though, Bezy. are actually filled with the spirit, got the spirit of God and the ability and the intelligence with knowledge and all the craftsmanship to devise artistic designs and work in gold, silver, and bronze and cutting like. Basically, he just sets up people who are super skilled to carry this out. That's really cool. Yeah, I like the idea that God cares about art and that art can be inspired. Yes. By the Spirit of God. And craftsmanship. Yeah. Very cool. To, so everything's going well up on the mountain. And then the last yeah. thing that... Um, then he like resums the Sabbath. Right. So before you go, you got to... It's like, again, this Sabbath thing is kind of... It's like, like the eggshell. It holds the yolk and the whites and everything in. Like mm-hmm. this Sabbath thing is so important because it's the means by which God will meet with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be you set apart a day to meet with me in these places and in these ways. And you set apart the Sabbath years and the, the, the festivals. It's very important because it's how he actually, God actually says, this is how you'll remember and there'll be a sign between us that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Right. And it's holy for you. So very explicit from God. Everyone who profanes it and doesn't keep the Sabbath will be an enemy. Will be be cut off. Yeah. Which I used to think was kind of like, whoa, that's extreme. Right. But I realized it's extreme because the temptation for us to just constantly work and not trust God is so great. And so if anyone starts to do this, everyone will start to do this. Right. As soon as you break it, it's... um. And he's created a nation that is centered around God. So this yeah. is the one activity we do as a nation together. And mm-hmm. if you don't, it's understood as rebellion. Right. All right. So uh, he gave God, or Mo- he gave Moses, sorry, the, t- the tablets, and they were written with the finger of God. Yeah. So God's handwriting. Yeah. Interesting. That always surprises me. I always forget. That's pretty cool. So, so he's walking down. And, so um, while he is up there receiving the whole law, receiving, like, what I find interesting is how, like, he's receiving uh, the identity, the true identity of Aaron. Right. And, like, how he's going to be the priest for the people and what that's going to look like and all the activities of worship and how the people are going to worship and all of this great stuff. And while this is going on, the people below are freaking out. Well, and... And what's funny is, yeah, he's getting all the um, these carefully planned out things. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, people are just knee-jerking, mm-hmm. knee-jerk reaction to things. Um, I also was thinking, too, like, 
God has just told Moses he's going to write the names of the tribes of Israel mm-hmm. and he's their treasured possession on these precious <clears throat> stones, on the heart and the shoulders and all this stuff. And then um, as he comes down, um, as he comes down from the mountain, this is the famous golden calf story. Yeah, so, well, he's, okay, so he's on the mountain. The people freak out. They're, he's been up there for 40 days. Clearly he has no... They know there's no food or water up there. So he's been gone for over a month, and they freak out. They surround Aaron and threaten him and say, make us gods for us to worship. We don't know where this Moses is, this Moses guy that led us out of Egypt. We don't know what's become of him. We need you to become the new leader. We need you to create a new god, and we will follow it. Right. And so then Aaron is like, okay, um, I will throw all, like, just give me all your gold from your earrings, and we'll create uh, a god for you to worship. Which is interesting, because I'm realizing, too, this is cutting into, like, the offering yeah. that they're supposed to give. To make to, the to, tabernacle. Yeah. And now they're using it to make this golden calf. Yeah. They're wasting the materials that they don't even know are going to be commissioned for something glorious. So then Aaron makes the calf. He actually, like, carves it out and makes it and everything and says, these are the gods, O Israel. And so he is, he begins to mix uh, the Lord and this calf, which is like kind of like a fertility god. Yeah. He kind of mixes them both together and is like, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Now we're going to worship them. And then the people just kind of fall back into the worship of the Egyptians, like how they saw the Egyptians worship, now they are going to worship like them. Which is in revelry. Yeah, um, sexual immorality. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like a total mess. It's the grossest stuff that you could imagine they are now doing. And there was a line, too, about like the Egyptians would make fun of them. There was derision when oh, they worship yeah. like that, because they're like, look at you guys. Yeah, you... You're so cute trying to... And it's so silly... Because it's not you at all. Yeah, so the, there, I mean, remember, there was a group of Egyptians that came out with them. Right. And so, yeah, so there's Egyptians out there that are looking at them going like, oh, I thought you guys were different. I thought we were different, and mm-hmm. your God defeated all these gods. Yeah. So there was some derision there. It, that's interesting to think about. But yeah, Aaron absolutely, <clears throat> mi- he mixed it. So that's why it's confusing where it's like um, attributing things to Yahweh and this golden calf. Right. And then I read, too, that the golden calf was... Uh, like something that would carry the different gods in, too. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it was something they would ride in on God's will. Oh, yeah, and yeah, And so yeah. that's part of it, too, is they're worshiping this thing as a vehicle to usher in all the gods because they are freaked out. We can all agree they're freaked out. And so, um, so this not- is very <laughs> discouraging because as Josh was coming down, it sounds like they're in a war. Well, yeah, so the Lord says to Moses, uh, we need to stop everything. The people are defiling themselves and and then lord says i'm you know what i'm out i'm gonna destroy them all and i'm gonna make you a great nation moses how about that yeah that's pretty it's pretty funny he's like and you know he can do it he did it with abraham yeah and so these people all came from abraham and he wouldn't even be violating the covenant he made with abraham because moses is from abraham right and so he's like I'm wiping them all out, and I'm going to start a new nation with you, Moses. How so about, Moses how about takes this seriously and then says, please <clears> don't, <throat> Lord. I love them, and I don't want the Egyptians to think that you're a bad God. And, and he just kind of prays and prays and prays and prays. And, and then 
God, re- it says God relents. Yes. God changes his mind. And for, from our perspective, what's encouraging about that is um, we don't focus on, oh, wait, so is God weak or is God? Mm-hmm. No, we focus on the reality that God is in a real relationship with us. Yes. And so it's, it's actually encouraging to know that we can go to the God of the universe and have access to him and re- truly interact with him. Mm-hmm. So then this is when Moses is like, um, okay, I will go deal with them. And he leaves the presence of the Lord, goes down, meets up with Joshua. Joshua's like, sounds like there's a war going uh, down the mountain. And Moses is like, no, it's not. It's worse than you can imagine. And so they get down, and when Moses sees what's happening, he throws uh, the, the words of the Lord down on the ground and breaks the covenant of the Lord because the people have already broken the covenant with God. They've done all the things that you can't do. Like, they deserve to die based on the law that was just given to him. He knows. Like, it's very clear. Worship another God, you die. Yeah. And, oh, no. And so he's so (laughs) mad at them. And, um, okay, so he then... This is when he breaks down the calf, right? He burns it. He burns the calf. the, The line I love is that... He reduces it down to like dust, puts it in the water, and makes them drink it. Yes. And I was so reading a little bit into this, further into this, you realize he wants them to know your sin has polluted you through and through. Mm-hmm. So drink your idolatry. <clears throat> yes. It's a part of you now. Know that this is who you are. It's polluted you, and you need uh, a salvation. You need salvation from it. Yeah. So then he approaches Aaron. Aaron then does kind of the Adam and Eve thing. Like, mm-hmm. what? Like, he's trying to make an excuse. And the excuse he comes up with is, um, which is not an excuse. Like, oh, the people, the pressure of the people. Yeah, he's becoming like all the other rulers we're reading about in Mark. the New Testament. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the people pressured me. And to be honest, Moses, I put in all the gold and out came this calf. It was a miracle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Moses just kind of looks at him like, not helpful, bro. And, um, and so, and he'd seen that the people had broken loose, and, which is another word for they were just yeah, like, almost like demonic, like just And ridiculous. the idea, too, is like they've broken loose from their clothes. Like it's, a, yeah. it's another form. It's like a euphemism for sexual immorality. So then in a weird turn of grace... Moses calls the Levites. Yeah, so this is awesome. So I know. One, this is like the turning moment for the tribe of Levi, because up to this point, the tribe of Levi has been solely operating under the curse of Jacob that Jacob put on them um, when, he, when he was dying because of their sin and their uh, vengeance against Shechem. And here we see this get turned, finally. And it's, it's fascinating. So Moses stands at the gate of the community and says, whoever's with the Lord, come to me. And the tribe of Levi is the tribe that responds to him. Yeah. Who's on the Lord's side? Yeah. And they all, Levites. they all rally around him and he says, grab a sword and go through the camp. Anyone who's worshiping, kill him. So they're being ordained to service and their service is to cut out all the malignant tumors. Yes. And so we see... Which happen to be sons and brothers of theirs. So the, ori- the original sin of Levi was that he used... He used murder to violate the things of God. Right. And now we see the tribe of Levi using murder to protect the things of God. Right. 
And they're because they are the ones they probably don't even know it yet. But the law, they're going to be the ones that handle all the sacrificial yes. animals, the bulls and the and, like, and protect the things of God and protect the temple, yeah, and the tabernacle. So it is funny. Their first job is to you got to cut out the impurity, and then reading the numbers, you're like three thousand people were killed, men. Yeah, which sounds crazy, but there's two million, and so you figure, okay, this was actually when the whole thing deserved mm-hmm. all two million. Was yeah. it two million people? It's a yeah, roughly all two million there. deserved to be cut out. Right. So he cuts out those 3,000, and... Um, and, uh, yeah, so Moses. Moses even says, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one of you at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. So their curse has now become a blessing right. because of this act. Well, in verse 32, then, Moses goes to the Lord, and he basically says, Look, blot me out. Yeah. Like, just... Kill me too, Lord. And one of the great lessons we learn here is that uh, one sinner's life cannot is not enough money to pay for another sinner's life. It's not mm-hmm. enough. And so God is like, look, Moses, your life isn't enough for another person because mm-hmm. you're a sinner. Right. And so um, he says, look, I, I can blot out anybody who sinned. Yeah. But I won't. The angel is still there before you, and um, I'm just not going to... Is this where he says, I'm just not going to go with you? Yeah, he says, I'm going to send a messenger. I'm going to send my angel with you. But um, And the angel will go before you and fight yeah. for you against all the ites. Yeah. But uh, I can't be with you because I would totally consume you. Yeah, and then as kind of like a back, like uh, God's own punishment on them. Because like the Levites carried out the execution of 3,000 people. But God's like, that wasn't enough. And he sends in a plague to punish the people for their idolatry. Yeah. It's like my wife. When I punish the kids, she's like, oh, you went so easy on them. I better not talk about it because I'll do much worse. They won't see digital for years. Um, Then we keep moving into Exodus 33 and 34. This is, again, where God says, I'm going to send an angel. But the reality is sin changes things. Mm -hmm. Our relationship has changed. And when we sin... It affects things. Right. And the idolatry, which for us, you know, translation for us, anything that we fear, love, or trust more than God is an idol. Mm-hmm. And it always makes, is always powerless to help us and only hurts us. And, um, but God's faithful to keep his promise to overcome that. But sin changes things. It changes mm-hmm. his presence and it changes his power in our lives. And so we need repentance. And so... Um, the command now is it's time for everyone to leave the holy mountain. Yeah. Sorry, we can't camp. We can't hang out on this mountain. Some great things are happening, and you're about to receive them, but then you couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's time to move on, and I'm, I'm personally not going to be with you anymore. So we see uh, they kind of take a moment, like an aside, to tell you how Moses, before Sinai, would kind of meet with God yeah. in this tent of meeting, and he would go into the tent of meeting, which is outside the camp because the people's sin is too great. Was that before Sinai he had the tent of meeting? Yeah, he okay. had it before and after. So, but... Coda Bummer, he was on the, the top of the mountain yeah. with tablets written by God. Now he has to go back to the tent, tent of, of meeting. meeting, like one step forward, two step back. <laughs> yeah, so then he, he goes into the tent um, and the people would stand up and watch him go in and then God would descend in the cloud and speak with Moses. Uh, it would say he would speak to him 
Is this the one where, oh yeah, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. As a man speaks to his friend. So God chose to talk to Moses. And then you'll have Jesus calling us friends in the New Mm -hmm. Testament. And today's psalm even talks about friendship. This is kind of the idea, the relationship that we have. We say Christianity is not religion, it's relationship. Mm -hmm. We get it. Um, in its earliest forms here. Like the God's plan was to be in friendship with us. Um, but Moses gets it, and, uh, but the people are still, you know, they've had to mourn, they've had to give up their, uh, take out their earrings, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting, those who have ears can hear, and anyway, there, there's ears mentioned. But uh, in chapter 34, is there anything else? Yeah, so Moses intercedes oh, for yeah. the people because God, he said... He's saying, like, uh, Lord, you, you saying, you're telling us that you're going to send us this messenger, this angel to be with us, but I want you to be with us. Right. Like, I want you to be present with us. If we've really found favor with you, show us. Like, I want you to be with us. And then he goes a step further and says, Lord, I want to see your glory. Yeah. I and want so, to know that you're with us. And so he petitions to actually see God. And God says, you will see my goodness. Yeah. You won't see my glory, but you'll see my goodness. And I and he kind of tells him like what he's going to do. He's like, come back up to Sinai. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand, and I'm going to pass by you, and you'll see my back. Yeah, because you can't look straight into the face. You can't look at the, you know, like even the sun, you know? Right. So yeah. we see in 34, the Lord says, make two new tablets. Come back up to the mountain. Mm-hmm. We're going to renew this whole thing. And uh, this time, you're going to see a portion of my glory. And that's what uh, uh, the middle of 34, chapter 34 is. It's a renewal. So it's saying the same things over again that he said already. Yes. He's like having to go back and repeat, uh, not to the same degree, like not as long, but even even the verse, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk Mm -hmm. is repeated, which again is, did we even talk about that? That's just the verse about yeah, we did. not being cruel to animals. So he renews it, and then Moses comes down. This time Moses had to write on the tablets himself, right? Or no, God still wrote on it for him. He was there 40 days and 40 nights again. He didn't eat bread or drink water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant so that he is the Lord. Okay. But he had to carve out the two tablets this mm-hmm. time. So that's mm-hmm. the difference. Moses got the stones, and God still wrote it on there. And then his face is shining. So the last scene here is there's no doubt that Moses is talking to God. His face is shining. Yeah, and he comes s- off the mountain, and it's like his, he doesn't even, he's not even aware. And the people run from him. Right. And he has to gather the leaders back to him and be like, no, 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 it's me. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> and then he t- announces the word of God, and then cub- and then the people are like, Please cover that up. And so he puts a veil <laughs> over his face when he's talking to them? Because uh, No. He, he, when he uses the words of the Lord, he keeps the veil off so that they see the glory reflected uh, from his face. But then when he's done using the words of the Lord, then he covers his face. But then when he speaks to God, he uncovers. So when he came out and told the people of Israel what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses. Okay that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of confusing. So when he spoke the words of God, they saw his face. Then when he wasn't speaking the words of God, they veiled him. Yes. 
Okay. And then when he would go to speak to God again, he would unveil his face. Because I was confused because I know Paul talks about Christ removes the veil off of God's face. Yeah, but like... Or Christ's... Yeah, so I didn't know if they were hearing Moses. And the way Paul seems to talk about it is they still hear Moses with a veil between them. That's, that's maybe why I'm confused. So maybe Paul's using it in a different way. Yeah, I, I mean, other yeah. than... Maybe we shouldn't like, fight in front of the kids. <laughs> uh. It's other than speaking the words of God. Okay. He, his face was veiled. So whenever he was like in a normal relationship with anyone, he just had a veil over his face. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're right. I think likewise when he was let's see, speaking God's word to the people, he would remove the veil. You're right. I'm wrong. And that reminded people that he had faced it. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We worked it out. Okay. This is how uh, adults fight. Okay. Okay. I forgive you. <laughs> Don't you ever. <laughs> so his face is shining and uh, the veil has been removed from my face. Perfect. That is our Old Testament reading today. Any uh, lasting thoughts for you? I know in, in verse 20 of chapter 34, he does. God says to him, this idea of the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you know, anyway, he's talking about the redemption of a lamb, and it's the same idea as we've gone over, like foreshadowing the necessity of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's pretty great. I'm just excited that God, uh, the story doesn't end, like his grace towards these people. They're doing the worst possible thing. Yes, yeah. And God's gracious. And Oh, and that's the verse, actually. The Lord says, that's what I want to say before we move on, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Like God says that. So he's like gracious, abounding love, but he doesn't, he's totally just. So that's confusing. How can you be steadfast loving and then also say, I'm going to demand, like, your iniquity will be passed on until it's dealt with? Mm-hmm. And that's because he knows he can pay. He can actually pay for the iniquity. Anyway, that's the Old Testament reading. Let's move to our New Testament. Our New Testament reading is Mark chapter 6, verse 30, through chapter 7, verse 30. So we are coming, uh, last episode, the apostles were sent out two by two. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. To do some great works. And in the meantime, John the Baptist was killed. Yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. Now they are returning to Jesus, super excited about all this stuff that they had seen, because now they are casting out demons, they're healing the sick, they're performing miracles and seeing people turn to Jesus. And Jesus' response is like, yeah, cool, guys. Why don't we get away from all this and find a desolate place and rest? Take a break. Because we haven't even really eaten. Yeah. There's no time to even eat. So let's get away. And their response is, I thought you'd be more excited, Jesus. (laughs) And why are you always trying to get away? (laughs) And so... um, It is interesting. Like, that seems to be... I love how Mark is highlighting this. Oh, man. Mark is basically have you could add like that old-timey music and like black and white and just show the disciples following Jesus get from one boat 
through a crowd to another boat. They're like trying to get away from it. It's like the yeah. Beatles, the old Beatles movies where they're trying to lose the the mad crowds. But uh, that's his idea and uh, his one of his main ideas. I guess we have to figure out what it's all about. But um, they saw him and recognized him. So even in their attempts to get away on a boat to a desolate, desolate place, there's a huge crowd. And so I, my imagination is, and it says, Jesus saw them kind of all descending it's yeah. almost like sheep on a hill. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And I'm wondering if you just see all the people streaming from far away. Even on the boat, you're like, we're going to this place. And already I can see a crowd forming. Oh. <laughs> the same way we see, like, we want to go buy something or at a restaurant. And you wait just a second for somebody. And then you see the line get long. And you're right. like, no. Why am I waiting for you, Matt? So apparently the Sea of Galilee is not very large. Right. It's... It's a pretty small, it's, it was actually also called uh, a lake, oh. like the lake of uh, Gadarene or something like that. And, uh, oh, yeah. and so it was, it was small, so it's not hard to like pick out boats on the Sea of Galilee. Like, so that's why too, like you kind of have this picture of they see him get in a boat and then they rush ahead to the place that they think he's going to land. Right. Yeah. Because they can clearly see where he's going. <laughs> it is very paparazzi. Yeah. You know, it is, it is, uh, Mark sees it that way. Like this guy's the real authority. Yeah. Everyone wants to, he's the first kind of star mm-hmm. and person with power to heal and save. So he gets, they get there and he sees a large crowd and, they're in a desolate place, and Jesus has compassion. Yeah, he's like, fine, let's just, I'm going to do this. We're going to do it. And so, th- and then I think, this is how I tied it together. The disciples are going, okay, you've taught for a while, but it's late, and we are in a desolate place. Do something. And Jesus kind of looks at them and says, you guys just went out two by two. You were just trying to tell me earlier about all the cool stuff you saw. Why don't you show me what you did? You do something about you it. You do something. Yeah, do something. It is kind of like a parental, like, oh, it's time to grow up. Why don't you figure out how to do your homework by yourself? Yeah. And they're like, but, but we don't have enough, but we don't have... And then Jesus does like a good parent. Why don't you go see exactly what we have before <laughs> you tell me all your limiting beliefs and about what you don't have? Right. And then they do that and they feel justified. Like, we only have, what, five loaves and two fish. Mm-hmm. See? And Jesus says, okay, okay, move, move. He sits them in groups. Just put everybody in groups. I'm going to pray, bless the food, and then let's just see what happens. Let's just eat what we have. And then yada, 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 Mark just like moves right to, and they collected. Everyone was satisfied, and there was 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Amazing. Yeah. I just like how they're in transition of being totally dependent on Jesus for him to do everything, and Jesus is slowly empowering them. But this is a really, the feeding of the 5,000 is an amazing miracle. But it's also one of those moments of growth and learning for the disciples, you know? Yeah, and so what's interesting is Jesus, I've never really connected this. Because, like, you want to read it kind of, again, as a textbook, and you're not really connecting to, like, the emotions that are happening Yeah, you're trying to go, oh, God can do this. See, he can do miracles. Next, I need you to provide my bank account 12 extra baskets of money. Yeah, and And so (laughs) you see this kind of, like, almost, like, confrontation with Jesus and his disciples of, like, what are we doing? Get around, get away, let them... Get them out of here. Yeah. Get all these people out of here. I thought we were out here to rest, Jesus. Right. And then Jesus is like, how about you provide for them? They're like, ah, we can't. 
and then he does it. You're so unorganized. And then his Jesus. next his next thing is, how about you guys get in a boat and uh, I'll dismiss all the people. Yes. You get out of here. It seems like because you know the disciples <laughs> after they fed it, you know they were all like, like kind of jacked up on like. We did it. We did it. I'm so exhausted. That was so hard. And Jesus is laughing like, yeah, you just passed out the food that I provided. I don't understand how this was hard for you guys. You know, but... Go, you, you get in the boat. I'll meet you later. And, yeah. yeah. And I'll, so, I'll meet up with you. I'm going to get alone again. They're like, man, Jesus just always wants to get alone. <laughs> and so he's like spending the night at the mountain. And they're on this little sea. And apparently a nice headwind... <laughs> like kicks up so it's like taking them forever to cross the sea because the wind is so strong and Jesus is on the mountain watching them struggle to get across yeah. the sea of Galilee and, and Mark says he meant to pass by them yeah so he's finally like all right I'll go I'll go to the spot that they're going but he crosses he this is where he walks on the water but yeah the detail of He's just going to walk on by him because yeah. he's like, I still need my alone time. So according, <laughs> according to Mark, it's like Jesus was going to walk by them, but then they saw him. Yeah. And so then he approaches them and he's like, oh, okay. And he, he basically, they were f- so scared. They thought it was a ghost. And he says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And he quiets the storm. And, um, and then it ends with, they were utterly astounded for they did not understand the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. Like, there's so many little phrases there. So they're astounded. They're scared by that. But then they're still obsessed with, hey, when are we going to process this thing about the food that just happened? And then the Lord is like, yeah, but their hearts were still hard. They still do not understand. Even though they're seeing the divinity of Christ, they still can't understand it. Um, And we were, I was asking you guys, you a little bit earlier about this. I wonder why Mark doesn't mention Peter. Walking oh, on the water. Yeah. And I thought it was a interesting, you know, it's a work in prog- progress here, figuring things out. But Mark got the story from Peter, and I'm sure Peter doesn't remember or doesn't want to remember, like, the walking on water to him is just a condemnation, a failure. Yeah. Like, I was told I had little faith. Right. Because or, I, I Yeah. Sank. Or the other thing I could see it is almost as like a humility thing where he did walk on water for a moment. And, and he can't talk. He doesn't and, want like and he doesn't want people misunderstanding. Like, wait, you walked on water? Oh, uh, that's true. Because people were tempted to worship Peter yeah. because he was doing miracles yeah. at the time. He's like, I church. don't need yeah. to add walking on water. So that probably makes sense. So, so anyway, yeah, that's skipped over. Hard heartedness, and then we get to Gennesaret. Yes. Um, so they get to. They finally get to where they're trying yeah. the shore that they're trying to reach, and uh, we see a response very different from uh, Nazareth, like the last town yeah. that they... Yeah, so this whole feeding 5,000, walking on water, all happens while they're just trying to get from one place to the other. Yeah. It's they're just all, trying to get like a little break. Right. They're trying to get a break and just get to another town and, you know, 5,000 happens, walking on water happens, and now they're in Gennesaret and... And people recognize Jesus, and they all rush him. And uh, they, it's, it's interesting, in the market, they bring out all the sick people and the beds and 
to like wherever they heard he was. So they just start dragging all yeah. their sick people out. So all the sick in the whole village and city were brought out, and as many as he touched were made well. Yeah, even the fringe of his garment. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. He's healing many. Um, the new converts seem to have more faith than even the disciples. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, now we, we move into the Pharisees start gathering to him and the scribes, and they're trying to figure out how this Jesus character is still even a thing Mm -hmm. because all he does is surround himself with dirty, defiled, unclean people. Mm -hmm. So like the tax collectors and all those, they just defile him. Sick people, he's touching sick people. Yes. He's touching dead people. And then they come up with, um, oh, your disciples don't wash their hands. Before they eat. Yeah, before they eat. And they don't wash the things the way the Pharisees do. And the Pharisees had... Um, traditions built on the law. So they're not even following just the law. Yeah, they're actually building out the laws that were given to the priests before the priests were to handle the things of God in the temple. And so they're acting as if they're on the level of the priests in everything. And they're not. And they're not. And so uh, Jesus rebukes them and says, look, man, you guys honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. So that's quoted from Isaiah, and he's and he says straight up, you guys would rather break the commands of God to keep the traditions you've made. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he quotes Moses to them, like oh, he brings up one of the bigger areas where it's honoring yeah. your mother and father, and he says you guys have found a workaround where you can give like a one-time gift to God, or say your funds are tied up to give to God. And so you can't support your family and honor your mother and father in old age. And then you say it's a godly thing, but really you don't even end up giving the gift. You guys break the commandments. I mean, you're breaking like the first commandment within the, the side of how we treat each other. Right. And so, uh, yeah, you make void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And then you lead other people into breaking the commandments. And mm-hmm. then you say, that's the truth about defiling. It's not from the outside. It's not about people touching me. Or on the outside, it's about what comes from the inside. Mm-hmm. And then he breaks down the law. I mean, he, he, he actually says it's from the heart of man comes sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. So um, flipping everything for these guys and also making sense of his ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's bringing the gospel like, and cleaning the inside. I can touch these people. These people can touch me and be made clean because what's inside of me is clean. Yeah, because I'm holy. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him mad is he says, I am God. And then there's this great scene. We'll finish today with the Syrophoenician woman. Um, again, Mark's kind of highlighting the people on the fringe seem to be grasping who Jesus is. Yes. So she says, heal my child. Um, she has an unclean spirit. And Jesus kind of handles her a little rough. It feels rough. Mm-hmm. But he just says, look, I've, I've come to feed the children of God first. I can't, um, I got to help Israel before I help people on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, even a dog gets the crumbs. Yeah. In other words, like, throw me the crumbs then. And Jesus loved this. He said, for this statement, may you go your way. The demon has left your daughter. Yeah. And he just says, you get it. You get it. You get it. You'll take even the crumbs. You'll take any, you know who I am Mm -hmm. and you know what I can do. 
and you are in a position of humility, and I highly value that. And so the Syrophoenician woman goes down as a person of great faith, contrasted by the disciples who can't figure it out after seeing Jesus walk on water, feed 5,000 people from nothing. Yeah, the disciples, the Pharisees, the scribes, his own family. Yeah. Like all the people that should be getting it. Yeah, no, all the smartest, richest, best people, but you got the unclean, undefiled, outcast people who get it because they understand their need. Boom. Amazing. Beautiful psalm today. That concludes uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 7, verse 30. Now we're moving to the psalm. Today our psalm is Psalm 25, verse 1 through 15. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They 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 shall be ashamed who are wantingly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. For those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Friendship will never be ashamed. I like those themes. For trusting the Lord. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord.